Head and the Edge podcast. I'm Justice Mosqueda. You can find me on Twitter at J-U-M-O-S-Q. I'm here with my co-host, Charles McDonald. You can find him on Twitter at 4 And we're here with a very special guest, the head coach of the New England Patriots, Bill Belichick. Say what's up to you, Bill. <laughs> Thank you for the introduction. Should I just be playing Jay now? <laughs> just nice yeah. and boring. Yeah, don't, don't, start. Don't play Jay. Don't yeah, play it's easy. Jay. I'm used to that. <laughs> No, yeah, this is our really, this is our buddy yeah. Nate Nate Tice. Uh, your handle is it just at Nate Tice? On Nate Twitter? Underscore, underscore Tice, I believe. Underscore Tice. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. At least you didn't get Nate Tice like two or something. Nate Tice. Right. Four. Nate Tice. <laughs> Nate Tice twelve. Uh, Nate so, Tice eighty nine. Yeah. Exactly. So, anyways, yeah, this is episode uh, ninety four that we literally just decided to do like two hours ago. Uh, <laughs> I got on Twitter after I finished work and Justice tweeted, like, I just saw a tweet in my notifications. He called me a coward and said that we should record. And I said, yeah. And then Nate kind of invited himself on in the group chat. And here we are. I, uh, it's been three months since we recorded and it was eight months since we recorded before that. So in the last calendar year, this will be like our third episode, but we are still chugging along. We are eventually going to hit that 100th episode. And uh, here we're uh, we're here to preview week one of the NFL season like we did last year. And uh, we're going to see how many consecutive weeks we can make it actually previewing the games. Because last year we only made it to week two before we had to skip forward <laughs> to our, our annual draft recap episode. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but first, first, I want to talk to you guys like, can you believe that we're here? Like, this is a pandemic outside, and uh, we're about to play football. It's week one, and I I know that we've talked a lot about how likely it was to be able to get to this point, but I'm still kind of surprised that we've got to this point, like, so smoothly. Like, I, I don't even know if we've had five total cases since campus started. Like, it's kind of crazy. Well, just, like, no preseason games just threw me off. I think that it's just, like, I didn't realize how much sports was, like, my internal calendar. So, like, that all of a sudden, like, just not having that, like, like training camp and not having those little uh, uh, preseason games every couple of weeks, every week, like, all of a sudden, like, that, like, reset my calendar. So, all of a sudden, that just threw it off. This mic? My, my, my mic works. Is it buzzing? Oh, <laughs> uh, here we go again. I don't know what to tell you. We what? tried We tried for 20 minutes trying there to get my mic. Look, I mean, people are about to use the bad audio quality on this podcast. So. Yeah, they, they expect nothing <laughs> no, nothing right better now. from us, so it's fine. No, I, I, The one thing I am surprised about, I'm surprised the season wasn't delayed by any yeah. extent at all. But, I mean, I guess the NFL has been handling it pretty good compared to um, what we thought it was going to be. But we'll start seeing when guys start flying around on planes and stuff together the day before games. Yeah. yeah. It's funny because the guys that you talk to, everyone thinks it's going to start out okay, but it's a long way from here through the end of the season, and people are going to get bored. And, you know, it, it's kind of like how, how our nation's pandemic has been to this. You know, are people going to get fatigued to following the guy with the shit like that? So, you know, off to a good start. We'll see if we can continue it. And uh, now let's gamble. Uh, the first, <laughs> that's right. That's the first right. First game that uh, we're gonna talk about with week one, we're gonna go through all the games. Uh, the Houston Texans at the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are nine or nine and a half point favorite at home. Uh, who do you guys got? Man, I if I gunned ahead, I, I think actually I take the Texans. 
I just think nine points is a lot of points, even though I think the Chiefs, it's an equal likelihood to just blow them out, blow them out of the water. Andy Reid, week one, every time, every year he comes out of training camp with new stuff. So as I'm just talking right now, I'm changing my answer to the Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we will so not I, hold you accountable year, on this podcast. But just think the Chargers game, Mahomes is, you know, first year starting. Think of the Patriots game. Uh, year before that, you know, the Kareem Hunt game, you know, just think of all those week one where they just come out firing. So, I mean, I, I'd rather, I think I'd bet on that and just hope that that's one of these years where Andy Reid just comes on a new set of plays that we all just watch on Twitter and just share with each other about how cool they are. Yeah, I think the move for me isn't necessarily the spread, but Kansas City money line is definitely something I'm going to end up teasing and then losing the second oh. leg of. Yeah. Okay. Because, like Andy Reid... So he's five and one, five and one in season openers with Kansas City. Overall, he's eighteen and three after a bye in his career. Like this is just a good coach who, you give him time, he's gonna develop something that's gonna give teams headaches. Like, was it last year or the year before where he was just spamming like the jet goal line plays, and teams had no idea how to handle it for like three weeks. Yeah, it, I mean it, that was uh, the year before because yeah because that was uh, it was you mean the little shovel pass jet, jet yeah yeah thing? yeah. Exactly. Yeah, because yeah. uh, I, I remember, yeah, it was the Chargers game, whatever. Uh, so that year, they, that boom, they just hit him like they're hitting Tyree Hill, and before the defense even reacted, the guy's walking in the end zone. Yeah. I I think I, th- I think I'll go with the the Chiefs on this, just because, like, you have the continuity factor with them on the offense, and dude, they're just so damn good. Like, I I don't know like how I'm supposed to verbalize this other than. Like, I'll take Andy Reid to blow Bill O'Brien the fuck out to start any season, <laughs> especially in a season where it's so weird. Like, I mean, we'll get to this later with Giants and Jets stuff. Like, I've been out to Jets practice, and if I have to be completely honest with you right now, the Jets are not ready to play a football game. Like, they are not ready to play a regular season football game. It's it's really messy. It's really sloppy. And to me, especially when you look at the early portion of the season, this is going to be such a a part of the season that's heavily influenced by coaching quality than I think any year that we've seen before in the past. And if I got a, you know, I got Bill O'Brien on my right hand and Andy Reid in my left hand, I'm going to go Andy Reid. And as good as Deshaun Jackson or Deshaun Watson is, wow, wow. I almost did that they all look the same. My own people. Uh, <laughs> uh, as good as I think Deshaun Watson is, you know, this is his first game without DeAndre Hopkins with no training camp. Like it's, it's going to be a little bit of a, difficult situation to get into so i think i'm gonna take the, the chiefs nine and a half but i don't think i don't think that even if the chiefs blow them out that that's an indictment on like how the texans will be throughout the entire season no the texans could get blown out by 20 and still win the afc south this year yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly I, I, that could and that could be said literally every year since like david carr was a quarterback <laughs> yeah all right we should go to the sunday morning games there's nine of them Heavy Sunday morning. This is going to be like the heaviest Sunday morning slate we're going to have all year. Um, first game on our list is Miami at New England. New England is a six to six and a half point favorite at home. Do we do we have thoughts? Because I have thoughts. Yeah. Go for it. You, but you go first. Yeah. I just don't understand why there's such heavy favorites right now. When we saw Miami, despite all the effort. You know, the whole whole organization top down tried to do to tank the season last year. Right. Or maybe not tank, but just build assets, not really care about 
that year, and they still won despite that. And now you're having a Miami team that is at least semi-loaded, right, right on the roster. They added a ton of defensive backs, and I'm not 100% sure like New England is going to hit the ground running with Cam Newton. We always see New England kind of struggle the first probably like first half of the season is when they do their dumb shit. And then the second half of the year, they're like, all right, we figured out what our team is. Like there's a lot of tinkering that goes on in the first half of new England season. So I don't understand uh, why they would be such heavy favorites right now. Like almost a full touchdown. I don't really get why they would yeah. be that heavily favored. That, that that's what gives me pause. I no, I agree with that. I think it's a, it's a lot of points. I mean, six and a half is a lot for what, I mean, how many guys have opted out from new England too? And a ton, and they don't have yeah. receivers either, right? Yeah, so like, yeah. and oh, question marks, just a lot more question marks just than we're ever used to. No Skarnakia, I mean, that's right. that's a big deal. I mean, those kind of things really matter. And you got to look, too, is New England has the one thing I'm going to – I'm going to talk about both sides of my mouth here is New England, like, has the most – usually one of the most physical training camps is that that may be able to help them. Usually, we don't know if things are changing, but typically, yes. But the thing is, is Flores comes from that. So it's not as right. maybe as – who probably is maybe a new age more physical, but probably more of a mixture. I'm just assuming. I have no idea. But it's like just assuming those types of things. Okay, so that kind of negates that advantage that maybe New England might have um, against a team maybe of lesser quality, uh, maybe more athletic but lesser quality. So – I just think that's a lot. That's too many points. I I, I, I would take Miami just just for the points, and I just because maybe they're it's just a, a, a maybe a sloppier game that we're expected on New England, and I think Miami's gonna be fine with that. All right. Well, uh, I'm back from uh, getting my groceries, and I missed <laughs> like <laughs> all of that. So uh, strong a start. Quick recap of what you guys picked. Too many points. Too many points. Okay. Too many points. Um. But are we sure the Dolphins, like, don't just absolutely suck? That's counterpoint. <laughs> I don't know. Like, like okay. I'm fine awful, with Fitzpatrick right? starting. I'm fine with him starting, though, yeah. Yeah. And I, I guess the thing is, like, I don't – and, I again, I don't know if you guys just said this, so if I'm repeating, just tell me to shut the fuck up. Uh, like, how much do we think that these secondary updates the Dolphins made week one – like, or how much are they going to help week one? With Byron Jones and Noah, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the last name, the Auburn cornerback they draft from the first round. Like, how much does that help them week one with no preseason? But, I mean, if if they're going to be a man coverage-heavy team, right, which is what we see all the defensive guys from the Belichick tree try to do right now, despite, you know, Matt Patricia not having the guys to run it, I mean, man coverage is man coverage, right? Like, how, yeah. how hard should that be? It's not like we're talking about, like, a heavy – pattern matching team where you it's got to be like three years in before these guys really start clicking together like man coverage is man coverage yeah that's fair yeah yeah they had their version of it which is a little just more some i wouldn't say matchy but like they have a lot of rules well i mean they just have because they're it's all about it's but it's all formationally you know it's all you know, okay if it's one by three at this if it's empty this back away this you know they have all these kind of rules but it's kind of like once you get it you get it so maybe talented guys are plug and play because usually talented guys are also smarter guys. And also maybe one of those things with just coaching that the guys, they they can just coach them up. But, yeah, I get what you mean. Man coverage is man coverage. I would just say that their version is just so rulesy, as we know, with Belichick stuff. Yeah. I, I You know, now that I think about it, I think I'll take the – I think I'll take the, the, 
the Dolphins on this, just because you know there's I mean there's a lot of moving pieces for the Patriots too, where you have like a new quarterback and Nikhil Harry is you know he's trying to establish himself this year, so you have a lot of moving pieces there. So I don't know, like anytime I see when I just think about the quality of the Dolphins roster from last year, and I see oh they have six points Belichick on the road, I think I would take Belichick there, but. I don't really know. Like, I, honestly, I think this might be the one that I avoid the most because, yeah, I, I'm just a coward. I'm definitely gonna like watch this though. Like, well, this yeah. is probably one of the games that like I want to see the most of on like yeah. red zone or something. Well, you know? I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, of course I'm gonna watch it. Like, I, I haven't done anything in like six months. <laughs> 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 I was up at two nope. a.m. chasing Korean baseball games. Of course I'm gonna watch it all. Like <laughs> 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 an Overwatch league. Mm-hmm. All right, next game. Uh, Cleveland at Baltimore. Baltimore is a seven and a half to eight and a half point favorite. Um, I guess that this line probably creeps up the closer we get to game time. So you might even be able to get to it like a nine here. But do we have any thoughts on this other than Lamar highlight show? It's going to be fun. Open at Baltimore minus 10, too. Yeah, so see, I wouldn't it, be surprised very... if that ends up going back up. Yeah. I, I like Baltimore. Yes. All right, good talk. Yeah, I know. I'm just I just think week one is just there's all these kind of like just like scary lines that because it's just all hype and yeah. you just got to think this year it's just so much more of that. And it's yeah. like obviously Baltimore is just the better team, but it's just like you know how Stefanski is probably going to want to play might keep it close just because of the ball control, maybe defense. They have a pretty exciting some pieces on defense. You know, it's just one of those things where I can see it maybe being an uglier game because just two ball control teams just making it a really short game. And 10 points, if it creeps back up to 10, is a lot to cover. So yeah. I think you it's know, one that Baltimore easily wins but doesn't cover. But you know what's kind of weird? Like, I feel like Baker Mayfield weirdly played the Ravens kind of well over his career. Like, even if you look at the, the that rookie year game, Week 17 – where it was, I think the Ravens were like winning your in situation that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Baker threw three interceptions, but he played well. And even last year in that game where they won 40 to 25, like he played pretty well there. And I don't know what it is, but I I kind of like the idea of the Browns skill, skill positions. This early in the season, when he gets his defense, that just lost Earl Thomas in the past couple of weeks. You have Odell. Jarvis Landry, Austin Hooper, Nick Chubb. I mean, whatever you think of Austin Hooper, like he's entering the same situation he was in in Atlanta, where he's like no, no David and Juco, uh, right? <laughs> at all. Wow. I mean, look, he's second fiddle right now, and maybe even yeah. third because you you got some Browns fans that are high on that uh the Brian kid they draft from FAU, uh, but I, I think oh, yeah. I, I think yeah. that. This early in the season, and it, again, like it's going to be a beaten drum on this podcast. We keep coming back to how weird this offseason was, and really how ready teams were at this point in the offseason. Because you think about when training camp started this year was August twelfth or August thirteenth. Normally, you know, you're getting ready for like your second preseason game. At that point, these guys are, like just putting on pads. So when you lose a veteran leader like Earl Thomas in that secondary. Even if he was only there for one year, that's a guy that still has so much leadership and experience that maybe that poses a problem for Baltimore going against a, a passing skill that's talented. Uh, and now that I think about it more and more, 
and now that like I've seen Baltimore and Cleveland battles the past couple of years, I think I'm gonna take the Browns. If I could find Browns plus eight point five, I think that would take that. But I, I do expect Baltimore to win the game because Lamar is the best back ever. Yeah. <laughs> All right, next game, uh, Charles' New York Jets at the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills are five-and-a-half to six-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, there's going to be bad quarterbacking in this play, and I'll let uh, Nate Tice do his uh, Sam Darnold apologist I'm, rant look, that I'm, I've had I'm to deal with for the past year. Uh, yeah, you just said the Jets go. can't play. You were like, the Jets can't play, and now we're saying well, there, Sam Darnold. I, I, I didn't say take. Sam Darnold couldn't play, though, did I? All right. Well, who's, th- who's throwing the ball in these practices? Are you about to drop a gem? It's great. Like, Fla- it's Flacco's true. ready. Well, 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 let's talk it's, about it. Nate, he can add lib. first. Well, go I was going to say, he can add love. So even whatever, you know, bullshit game plan they put together, like, he, he'll he be able to add lib himself a play. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm betting Darnold here. Uh, no, not Darnold. I'm sorry. I'm betting the Bills here. <laughs> but having said that, Darnold will definitely outplay Josh Allen is what I think. Uh, I, I I love Darnold as you guys know. I just think it's just like this is the worst. Again, he just keeps getting dealt the worst hand because like how, how many injuries have they been dealing with? But just as a receiver, oh, court, right? Uh, well, Vincent and okay, but the funny thing is like these guys have gotten hurt, but they're not like big name guys that anyone really cares about. <laughs> so, like, Vincent Smith and Jeff Smith have gotten hurt. Jeff Smith played quarterback at Boston College as freshman year before switching to receiver. Vincent Smith is Vincent with a Y, so. He was the guy who started <laughs> that awful Texans playoff game. Right, that's where we're getting to. Vincent with the Y. Like, I ain't even seen that. <laughs> Anywhere's number 16. Like, come on now. Uh, uh, so we got Vincent and Jeff were hurt. Brashad Perryman was hurt with the knee. Adam Gay said that was going to be like a two-day injury, and it, he still has not like recovered from that. It was like a week and a half ago. And then Denzel Mims. Has he, hurt has he been hurt every year of his career? Pretty much. And then Denzel Mims has been hurt with a hamstring, but he was back. Uh... Like, at least running drills last week. So, I don't know if he's going to be active for week one, but dude, the thing with the Jets is this skill set group is really bad. And the offensive line is different, but I don't know if we can say that it's good. Like, that's the thing that Jets fans have kind of – and this is the really niche. Jets fans think this offensive line is good, but in reality, it's different. You know, football fans that go different is good because if I haven't seen it before, that means I know, at least I know it's not bad because I haven't seen it bad for my team. But we have to remember Wilson conundrum. Right. We have to discuss yeah. Like, if I, if I tell any person, all right, you're going to have a rookie first round left back, your left card's going to be center, Connor McDuff, right card, correct man, right back, and you're like, oh. What? Your mic is messing up. Oh, it is. Move it closer to your face, Mr. Wegman. Oh, oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> no, I get it. Every time I see Greg Van Roten starting at right guard for him, I'm like, oh. And then it's like, and next to him, we're playing George Fant. I'm like, oh yeah, no, I know. This can go scary. real bad. This can go really <laughs> bad. And, and a rookie left tackle. And a rookie left tackle. <laughs> Look, I don't, I don't, I, I don't expect Le'Veon to average 3.2 yards per carry again, yeah. but I don't think it's going to be over four. Uh, so you're in for a long year this year, and the receiving core is really bad. And on, like, on the flip side, now here's a question. Here's a question with this game: Do you trust Josh Allen to 
actually score enough points to clear the spread. See, here's the thing. I've been down this Josh Allen road. Do you not remember when, what was it? He played in Minnesota. It was either last year or the year before. And they were like, they were like 10 point dogs. And then they were up like 28 to zero in the first quarter. And I, I was think like, it was even more. how they did like this happen to me? Dogs, something crazy. Yeah. They were, they were something ridiculous. And they like blew furious. out of water. That's like one of the worst gambling losses I've ever had in my life, where I just had to stare at myself in the mirror and be like, volatility takes everyone. Like, <laughs> that game still doesn't make sense to me. The, the thing that's funny to me is going to be seeing Stefan Diggs play with Josh Allen. Because, like, you have this really good route runner. He's also fast. I mean, he could take the top off a of defense, but he's a really good route runner and just, like, that match with Allen doesn't super make sense to me. I mean, he's a speed, he's a speedy guy, but it'll just be interesting yeah. to see him run a like perfect stop route after making five moves off the line of scrimmage, and then Josh Allen just throw it over his head. Now yeah. Chuck's nose is just straight breathing into this mic. Oh God. <laughs> we are unwrapping. your mic keeps falling asleep i know no but like it keeps like fucking up and falling across my face but i think the interesting thing with josh allen is like like what what's the bill's thought process for getting stefan Diggs? is like because you know, know. By, by all, all all accounts you know the bills are not sold on josh allen long term yet they're not at that place yet where they're ready to give a contract so is this thing with stefan Diggs like our quarterback is so inaccurate, we need, like, a tier one route runner to get open because they've invested a lot at receiver over the past couple of years. Like, you think that it might be enough, but, like, what do you what do you guys think well, about the process of the Stefan Diggs trade? Like, what, yeah, what, I mean, but it's just not a different type from what they got. Like, John Brown is good, and he's almost like a Diet Coke version of Stefan Diggs, you know? Like, or just like right, a, right. a different cut from the same cloth, though. Or And then they have Cole Beasley, who is, you know, the ace slot runner, quote-unquote. Like, you know, but that's his stereotype. And so it's just what, those two things. It's like, and then they get Stefan Diggs, who's another route runner. And none of them are big guys. And you would think, like, a Josh Allen type would need a big receiving course for the big misses. Mm-hmm. You know, as opposed to a guy getting open, you think it would be more of a contested ball catching courts that you want to put together. They have good, they're good players. It's just like, I guess that's just what they're thinking is like, let's just get good players, you know, fit kind of be damned. So we'll see. But, I wonder uh, if it's like, a, yeah. let's just spoil him to the point where yeah. like, if he's not going to be it, we're going to know he's not going to be it because we've made every effort to try to get him there right type thing. we've like, seen this guy somewhere all these guys somewhere else so we have you know a litmus test right, <laughs> so, and, right. And, but, yeah. and to nate's point yeah like it's kind of similar where you have Diggs and, and john brown like where they're kind of similar to each other but a lot of quarterbacks and look i've been the jets practice i know this for a fact a lot of quarterbacks would kill to have stefan Diggs, john brown and cole beasley that's <laughs> 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 just starting my receiver so like yeah jo- like josh allen has he definitely has an he has enough to run a capable offense this year now you know the rest is in god's hands and we'll see what happens but <laughs> i i like i like the bills on sunday minus five and a half or six and a half because honestly i just don't know how the jets are going to score yeah, where's that? Where's I, would, that I would love it at five and a half as well. Uh, yeah. like that would just be, you know, sugar on top. But yeah, I'm going Bills too. All right, next game: Raiders at Carolina. Carolina's three-point home dogs. This is actually at one and a half at one point. Our buddy 
Kyle Posey, who just got a new podcast with uh, SB Nation, with that bum Michael Kist, uh, told <laughs> us that it was down to one and a half. So this might come back down by game time, I would guess. Um, but if it's at one and a half, I'll jump on that Sunday morning. But at three, I'm not sure I'm totally comfortable with that. Just being home dogs. I mean, that would mean the Raiders would be in Vegas would be nine point favorites. Right. Yeah, I, I would definitely take Carolina home mm-hmm. because also how how good is Vegas this year? Yeah. Same as they ever were, probably. <laughs> right, right. And, and this year, you know, on offense, they put in two rookie receivers with Ruggs and Edwards. Yeah. So, like, I, they I got lucky like, last year. That's the funny part. It's like yeah. their point differential and everything is like just screaming regression in that regard. Yeah. So, and if, if you go back to Justin's point that they'll be favored by nine at home, if you, you know, if you flip yeah. the spread, is there any team in the league that they should be favored by nine points over? maybe Jacksonville, yeah. I would say, de- depending on, like, I don't know. We can talk about this when Jacksonville comes up, but depending how their quarterback situation goes, but Who are, like, know. the bottom three teams? It's Jacksonville. Them, Washington, Car- probably. Yeah, probably Car- <laughs> yeah. Maybe, yeah. Probably Carolina. Yeah. Like, those are bottom four. Carolina's whole mantra maybe. this offseason has been kind of weird, too, because it doesn't seem like they're really in a rebuilding mode. Like they right, want right, to compete right. again. And, but the way that they did it was they just like, they overpaid Teddy Bridgewater. They drafted Derek Brown super high, which like, that's where he was projected to go. But his skill set doesn't have that much upside. I don't think. No. So it, it's kind of weird how they built that team where it's like, yeah, we want to be competitive now when they kind of shot their load a little too early. I think. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'm going to say, <laughs> I wasn't going to say shot their load, but yeah. I was going to say, I want to ask you guys about the Panthers where, you know, before the draft, like, or, or maybe before free agency, where if you talk to a lot of Panthers fans, they're going into this Matt Rule experience thinking that they're going for a straight rebuild. Like, you're going to right. punt. It's like, like when you go on Madden and you trade the starting quarterback, like, you start, like, a 65 overall quarterback so you can get the first pick in the draft. Like, that's what a lot of Panthers fans thought they were going to do, but... That's not what happened. Like, you signed Teddy Bridgewater, you signed Robbie Anderson, and look, I'm not saying the Panthers are even going to, to make the playoff or win the division or anything like that, but we're even making 500. Like, if you have Teddy Bridgewater, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, that's enough to win, like, five games, six games. Like, you're not, you're not bad enough to get the first pick. You're not good enough to make the playoffs. But it's kind of interesting that this is kind of where they decide to steer their ship to into yeah. like almost like a no man's land season. They they acted like they were the when Andy Reid came to the Chiefs trading for Alex Smith. Like that was like that's what they acted like that what they're doing. But really, it's more like I don't think you just guys just need to reconfigure. Yeah. <laughs> like I we we yeah. didn't even talk about the Okun trade either though. Oh. Like that yeah, that was, was another thing where it was like why did you give up that for that like on a short term deal at. I don't know. That that trade oh, still doesn't make very much sense to me. Yeah. We found the Russell Coon Bitcoin shirt. You guys keep talking. <laughs> All right. Uh, here, here's what we'll do. <laughs> we'll go to uh, the next game, Seattle at Atlanta. I'm going to so go wait, grab another beer. Do we all pick Vegas or do we pick Carolina? What, what, what I'm going to wait, I'm gonna oh, wait oh, to oh, see oh. Sunday morning. I'm going to say Sunday morning. I'm, I'm, if I can get Carolina at three, plus three, I mean, I'm going to take that. Okay. 
Yeah, that you guys talked me into it because it was so funny. I was totally flipped the opposite way. I think, oh, I, think I, it's just I, I, I found so Russell Kung has been really big in the Bitcoin this year, and really just like the past couple of years. So a couple of weeks ago, he was wearing this shirt at a Panthers press conference that said "Conservative crossed out, Progressive crossed out, Libertarian crossed out," and underneath those three words, it said "Bitcoiner." <laughs> <laughs> like what, a, what? What an amazing shirt! Conservative, not nah. aggressive. Nah. What wormhole okay, did you nah. have to go down to find it? I'm a big. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, you know I, I say the dark, the dark part of the internet. Uh, yeah. But what? What game was that? Uh, Seattle at Atlanta. Atlanta is a one and a half to two and a half point home dog. Um, you guys know where I stand on this, so I'll let you guys talk about why Seattle's the move here. And I'll come back with a beer and tell you why you're wrong. So go ahead. Yeah. Go, Chuck. Right. Have at it. Look, without getting too personal here, because people who listen to this podcast know that uh, me and the Falcons have a difficult history. Uh, but I one remember. Of... <laughs> <laughs> it's one of love, but it's also one of hate at the same time. I don't know. So here's the thing. On paper... I think the Seahawks are absolutely a better team than the Falcons. And not only that, but they're a team that's specifically set up to like fuck up the Falcons' weaknesses. If you look at the Falcons' secondary, they are very young. At cornerback, you're going with the first-round pick in A.J. Terrell, uh, third-year player in Isaiah Oliver, and a second-year player in Kendall Sheffield. Me and, me and Nate, we've talked about Kendall Sheffield in the past. You know, I think we, have, we agree that he has potential, but if you are throwing... Your oldest, your oldest cornerback that's going to be getting heavy minutes this year is Isaiah Oliver. And in week one, you got to come and get Tyler Lockett and DK, uh, DK Metcalf. That's going to be an issue for you. And honestly, I just don't trust Derek Cotter to be able to manufacture enough offense to keep up with Russell Wilson. I know it's like an East, early, West Coast game and, and all that shit, but I just like the personnel matchups for the Seahawks and, like, the coaching advantage for the Seahawks. Do they even have, like, the horses up front to, like... I mean, Seattle's O-line's actually okay. Like, yeah. or at least they're running. Lied. A boy is still playing right tackle. You're wrong. Yeah, I know. But, but, but there's no... The pass rush is still a, a thing yeah. with the, or lack of thing in Atlanta. So it's, you know, it's but it's more in the run game because Seattle, you know, Seattle, what they're going to try and do is... So, and what's scary, too, with those two receivers against those corners is su- there's such different styles... So it's like, okay, maybe a guy is great and he's super physical. Maybe you can match up with DK. You still got the other guy on the other side. You got Lockett on the other side just doing his thing. You know, so it's just like these these two various styles that they have to go against, too. So that's actually even scarier than maybe two big guys on the outside. It's like, okay, we got big corners. Okay, we can match up with that. But that's scary. Uh, I know. I, I, I'm still going to go Seahawks. I just think – I just can't – like see see Atlanta just doing anything this year. It's just such a weird team. <laughs> oh my god. This line so this line would be eight and a half points Seattle favored if it were in Seattle. We're talking about Hall of Fame quarterback, a Hall of Fame wide receiver. Pete Carroll in September. A boy starting at right tackle and no pass rush from the Seahawks. I don't know what the fuck we're doing here. And this this was the second most mad a line had made me, like legitimately offended. Um, plus the East Coast uh, traveling or the West Coast traveling early to East Coast for morning kick thing that Seahawks Twitter will be mad about around halftime tweeting uh, referee compilations. But I just don't understand this line. This line should be like a pick 'em. 
No, because it's the Falcons. Okay, look. For the record, the I'm not betting this game. This game is like so far away from betting this game. I'm smashing Falcons two and a half, and I'll be mad about it by the third quarter. Look, all I'm saying is <laughs> when the Falcons when the when the Falcons fuck up and leave you upset and leave your bank account hurting, don't tell me. Don't come to me crying or don't come to the crack crying or the crack, <laughs> the chat crying about how your money's gone. Because, look, I'll tell you right now, the Falcons are not to be trusted. Like, they it, – it, it makes sense. Like, everything you're saying makes sense. But I can't shake that Falcons voodoo where the things that doesn't make sense is the thing that's most likely to happen. And the thing that's most likely to happen or the thing that doesn't make sense with, for beating them to get blown out in week one and that's what's going to happen. Big All right. Well, <laughs> let's let's go through. We still have four morning games left. Good God, uh, Eagles at football team. Uh, football team is a six <laughs> to six and a half point home dog. Uh, takes. Do we know if they're gonna have a name at all this year, or they're just rocking with football team until the off season? No, it's football team until next year. I'll they never call them made. anything else. I'll never call them anything else on my fucking life. I think it's just great they didn't even give a date. They just said in the future. Just literally punted it. Just... I mean, the aesthetic is better. I like the jersey number helmets. Yeah. 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 It's unique. Hey. Stands out. All right. All well, right. Justice, you're in Washington on this. Why? I'm in on Washington? I'm staying away from this. I hope I don't see I'm on Washington. Yeah, not not going to be a heavy watch, but, watch, but I, I am on Washington uh, as far as betting-wise. This is one of my games that I like, actually. Um, I just think Eagles just battled too many injuries, typical of them, like uh, whatever is in the water there. But battling the injuries, coming whatever whatever they have going on up front, I mean, I think that, you know, Jason Peters is getting old. He's going to be at left tackle now against Washington's very, 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 very good front. And I just think we're going to see a Chase Young debut. That's what my prediction is for this game, if we're just going to go on an anecdote, anecdote tangent. But I just think the matchup is just too good. It's going to be an ugly brawl, I think. Just like I think uh, Scott Turner might do a good job coming out of the gates with what I just watched in the last month, what Carolina was doing. At least he's going to be creative. And, you know, I just think it's I think it's just a good matchup for Washington. It's just going to be an ugly divisional game, like just one of those 2017 brawls. Yeah, I, I'm with that. I, I think it's going to be ugly. I would I would lean taking Washington. Uh, I mean, especially we got to spread that big at home. Like, I think I'll take Washington. Like, you could find a plus six, plus uh, six and a half. I think it makes a lot of sense. But you know, just staying away from this game and looking at the overarching theme of Washington season, how much you know? I, I guess trust that we have in Dwayne Haskins and Washington's offense and their organization to kind of figure this thing out on offense because I remember I was talking to, you know, our Palmina Cons a few weeks ago or a few months ago and when you look at the draft in last year there's a good case to make that Washington could have traded down from two and loaded up an offense to take Chase Young and obviously I think I don't really think there's a wrong answer there but when you look at the the, the amount of talent that Washington has this year in offense it kind of feels like they could have done more this offseason. I think that might hurt them this year. Yeah, their wide receiver situation is still awful. I mean, Steven Sims um, helped them as an undrafted free agent last year. But we saw guys like, what's his name, uh, Damian Wills or Willis, the guy who started week one for the Bengals, who was an undrafted rookie. He ended up getting waived 
right? Like those guys, just because they're contributors doesn't mean, you know, if everyone is healthy and you're adding more talent are going to stay contributors. So like them just kind of settling for, for Steven Sims and then just kind of leaning on Terry McLaurin is, I don't know. <laughs> That's not great. I'm looking at their R lads right now. Their starting tight end is Logan Thomas. Okay. Uh, all right. I actually did not know he was starting. That's actually what. That's what Arlad <laughs> says. I mean, it's it's him, Jeremy Sprinkle, and yeah. Marcus Baugh. So. Okay. Sprinkle's a Y. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. It, it, it could be tough on offense. The one thing that I think is interesting though about the whole Haskins thing is like they were already in the spot. They could have taken a quarterback at two, right? If they really yep. wanted to move on. To. Yeah. So I don't even know if like. He he can play poorly enough to where they would take a quarterback next year, right? So he's probably going to get a year three at, at the very minimum. I think I think so. And I mean, yeah. I, I I don't know how you guys feel about Haskins, but I'm not. I, I feel like people are kind of being a little harsh on him and ready to punt. But the last few games of the season last year, he played pretty well. So we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm yeah. not ready to be out. Obviously. Most of his rookie season was not good, but I think that's the case for most rookie, rookie quarterbacks. Yeah, and I'm almost treating him like a rookie. He just doesn't have a lot of starts. He had a basically a wasted year, and now he's okay. Now this is quote unquote normal, as normal as Washington would be. So let's yeah. see if let's see if it can work out. But uh, I'm gonna take Washington, I think, just because I also on Philly like there's so many question marks with this team where I think they're good. But I don't know they're good for sure. And testing that on the road early in the season, I would rather just take the home team. If I get him at almost a touchdown underdogs at home. Uh, Marcus Mariota just got placed on IR. That means the Peter man is Derek Carr's backup for the whole nope. season. That means 2020 is finally becoming <laughs> normal. We're finally, we're probably hit the, the stretch of 2020 where things are normal. Marcus Mariota's oh, hurt man. again. All right. <laughs> the next game, uh, Chicago at Detroit. Detroit is a two-and-a-half to three-point favorite, and you guys need to explain to me why Detroit is favorite here. What do they know. do better yeah. than Chicago? So much really? hype. They got all what? this hype okay. for some reason. Well, instead of that, let's talk about why are people hyping Detroit. It's just I don't know. Listen to the athletic football show. But is it really just after? Like, is that why people are hyping Detroit? Because that's the only thing that makes yeah. sense. Detroit's got a lot of a lot of steam behind them for whatever reason, and then that's what you know. Robert and I were talking about is just why you know, like I get offense. Stafford's coming back, and they were it was a fun offense last year, but they still have Matt Patricia. Right. Yeah. I just don't understand <laughs> it. And then they paid Vitae that insane contract that yeah. made everyone go like, wait, what the hell? Because Vitae, I mean, Vitae's an NFL player. He's he's He should yeah. probably be a swing tackle. But if you're going to pay him like $12 million a year or whatever they paid him, that's insane. How'd you, how, how'd you describe him? If he's your fourth best O-lineman, you're okay. Or fifth best starting O-lineman, you're okay. But if he's your yeah. second or third, you're, yeah, just, no. you're, you're screwed. It's not, no. If he's your, if he's your sixth, you're happy because you can get out yeah. of the game with him. But if, if he's fifth, your okay, full-time you starting him. right yeah. tackle, yeah. it's not a good situation. And their line still isn't great. I mean, they added Danny Shelton and Jamie Collins. So, like, that'll help up front. They're just continually adding former Patriots. But, like, you're paying those at a certain tax, and I don't know. Outside of them and Trey Flowers, you're, you're not getting, like, anything up front. You were, you were watching uh, – I think he's gone now. I forget what his – his uh, 42 that I thought you were talking about, Gerard Davis. You were like, this dude is awful. 
And it was, uh, I can't remember who it was. Canard or something? Yeah, Canard. He's he's gone now, but I mean they're not getting any better up front. Hopefully that Desmond Trufant contract helps him out because um, yeah. they kind of bought low on him. I thought that was I thought it was a fine deal to get for a corner. Right. Like if, if it hits and he's healthy, okay, that's a fine man corner because I mean he can translate to a man scheme. Right. Also, I mean I don't. I don't think Trufant was even really that bad last year. Like, <laughs> no, <I didn't> <laughs> <laughs> it's funny no. because Falcons fans hate him and he wasn't brought back. But like, if Trufant was back for the Falcons year, this year, that'd be a pretty huge help. Like, I don't, I don't think that, I, or I do think that that's going to be a good help for the Lions this year. He, his second act of his career is a good number two. Mm-hmm. That's the second act of his career. And but right. shit, I mean, I would love Lions. That's a great signing by the Lions. If, you know, I thought it, you'd it's find a lot worse out there starting for you. <laughs> For sure. Uh, uh, yeah, that, let me a, let me pull up uh, Matt Stafford's game logs versus the tr- versus uh, this Chicago team. So, lo- so twenty. The, I was gonna 18. get into this too. Yeah. I want to talk about the uh, the Lions O line too because that's what I was watching against the Vikings and the Zimmer was just having a field day because yeah. they just like the the centers lost Ragnow. Uh, he his, his sometimes he just looks like his head spinning. And I wonder if Stafford's going to shore it up a little bit, but they kind of sometimes just take the easy way out. So I, anytime a team has a blitz scheme against them, I'm worried. And the last time I remember Thanksgiving, they they did they brought pressure. It was like the, it was because it was a competitive game. They brought pressure like three straight straight times in a row, and I can't get that out of my my head. It's like I can just see the Bears kind of just at, after time just maybe toying with that a line. Yeah, I'm looking. He had he's lost both games against Chicago since 2018. He didn't play against them last year, and he was under 75 uh, quarterback rating and under 70 the other time. He has two touchdowns and four interceptions. Like this is just not a good matchup for what Matthew Stafford does. That's why I'm really confused. Like the strongest thing in the game by far is Chicago's defense. Why are they three point dogs? Like. Yeah, I just don't understand it. It, it, it makes no sense. Yeah, uh, I'll no definitely sense. Chicago. I, I think we're all in agreement that it makes no sense for Detroit to be favored. On and the right now. you, you got to think the biggest, yeah, the biggest advantage teams have in playing Chicago is just beating the shit out of their offense, being a you know getting points off Chicago's offense and stuff, and that's worse when they're on the road. So that there's no advantage now. Like that advantage is kind of negated with no crowd noise and everything, so there might those downward spiral moments might just be washed out of there. Yeah, I, right. I, before this, I was off this game, and now you guys are me talking myself in a bit. Chicago. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch entirely too much of this game for my dopamine yeah. meters to be going off for week one morning. Yeah, I mean everyone's dopamine is very low right now, so I'm watching all the football That's... I can this coming weekend. I don't know about you guys, <laughs> but, uh, my body needs. Uh, let's get to the next game. Jacksonville uh, taking on, or they're hosting the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, I'm guessing by the slime that the Colts are eight and a half point favorite. Yeah, eight eight and a half points. Okay, yeah. Uh, I don't I, I don't know like how do you wow. take a, an underdog at home that's eight and a half points? Like how do you not take that? <laughs> yeah, that that's that's kind of where I'm at. Where I'm like. I, I lean Jacksonville here just because, like, you're switching quarterbacks. It's week one. It's a new quarterback. How much time have you really had in the offseason? Um, Rivers is, like, a very different quarterback than, like, anything, I guess, since I, I mean, since Peyton, probably. Like, he's nothing like Jacoby Brissett, right? So I, I don't know what 
is going to go on here. And then, like, Indianapolis still is kind of just sitting on assets. This isn't them all the way full. full. Like, they're not in win-now mode by any means right now. So I don't even know if this is, you know, this Colts team, they have a lot of talent, but they're not, like, the Chiefs or anything, right? This is still a team that should be competing for, like, a wild-card spot. So why would they be favored by this much? Ah, I'm actually higher on the Colts than you are. I, just, I think All right, I AFC think champion got. Indianapolis Colts. You heard it first, Nate Tice. <laughs> I just think they they got a recipe for success just by playing bully ball and and having Philip just if they can just make Philip not try and be Philip like which I want to see if they can. I'll figure out a lot from this game too just to see what the Colts offense is letting them do and not do because you know I think they still want to be that you know power team so also now philip rivers is going to do his gyrations so i want i want to see what's going on with that i just i i like i like the colts a lot this year i think they're a talented team and i think rivers helped them a lot too um yeah I, i'm all over the colts on this game I might, i'll probably stay off because that's too many points but if i were to bet it i'd, I'd go indianapolis i'll say like if i see him on red zone and yeah. like philip rivers is throwing like five different checkdowns that just run off on this cover three defense in the first quarter, I'm live betting Colts. I'm live betting Colts because I've seen <laughs> Philip Rivers. You see that story too. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've seen him torch the Seahawks, Patriots. the Chargers. Yeah, all, all, I mean the Seahawks, the Falcons, the Jags Falcons before. Again. That's who Dan Quinn said the hardest quarterback to go against was Rivers because mm-hmm. he said he's the only guy that's patient enough to actually check it down every yeah, time. Yeah. 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 Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm in on the Jaguars plus eight and a half just because I think it's a lot of points, but I do think the Colts get close to covering this bread and winning. Uh, next game? The la- last morning game. We're finally through the slot. Green Bay at Minnesota. Minnesota's two and a half to three point home favorites. Um, two and a half seems done. This should be three. This should be three, and I'll watch it. I'm not going to bet on it. <laughs> Why should it be three? Why should it be three? They're even teams. The Packers aren't that good. I mean, they they just rostered a wide receiver who I didn't know what his name was. They got rid of Kumaro for Malik Taylor. Yeah, I'm bad at the Packers. I don't know who Malik Taylor is, yeah. He he played uh, wide receiver at Ferris State, 6'3", 220. He was on their practice squad all year, but yeah. Okay. I have, right. yeah, I have no idea. Well, how about this? Now that we are... What five months away, almost five months away from the uh, the draft pick of Jordan Love? How are you feeling, Justice? Uh, okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> we could have, we could have used a receiver. I don't know. Slow don't down know. now. Yeah, I don't know. I saw Devontae Adams throw some passes like into the uh, nets, <laughs> okay. and he has a better throwing motion than Jordan Love. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Just run the triple. I don't understand why we need a overcomplicate this all we got is running backs and Devonte adams so why not just run the triple i don't but nevertheless yeah I, I just i don't know the, well, the big thing for me here is if minnesota goes bully ball early and we learn whoever the other starting linebacker is for the packers that's not christian kirksey and he just gets bullied <laughs> constantly i mean this could be a long season for green bay because it seemed like they kind of got exposed once they started playing like actual good teams like they were able to get lucky last year and get to that thirteen and three record or whatever. But if you're going against a strong run team against a team that like 
schemes runs and is not just running like inside zone just to piss away a play, um, this team could definitely be in trouble because they can't play Amos at inside linebacker like they were trying to do against the Bears early on in the year where he was just taking blocks with guards and they just have no depth at inside linebacker that's proven at least. I mean, they got Ty Summers, who we've basically not seen. They've got Warren Burks, who like he's probably like a coverage linebacker and special teamer at best. And then they just drafted Kamal Martin. But outside of that, the only other inside linebacker on their entire roster is Christian Kirksey, who they brought in as a free agent, which like Petten knows him and stuff like that. But they signed one linebacker. They needed two. <laughs> that was such a fun rant. Yeah. It is what it is. Shadow, shadow head coach Mike Petten is going to have the, uh, the heat applied to him this year by my Twitter account. San, San Fran just exposed him. That game was so good. They and hit him with 20-yard traps like a high school team, man. I was so mad. <laughs> I know. This, they were like, hey, cool spinner package. Watch this. Yeah. <laughs> just trap your ass. Uh, uh, the funny shit is, like, like you see plays where, where Green Bay, they're running up like they're running up the field like five yards down the field on like their defensive line, and San Fran is just running the other way. Like, oh, cool, you got this penetration, but we're just going to run right past yeah. That's fine. So, yeah. <laughs> we have nobody That's why block. every time a Giants fan got happy about paying Blake Martinez ten million dollars a year, I showed the the cut up I had of all the long run plays in that San Francisco oh, yeah. game. It was like watch Blake Martinez here. Like find one play where he he fit Dude. this run within five yards. I mean, I remember I was watching his tape after the Giants signed him, and I was like, oh my god, like this guy stinks. Like he's terrible. He is. He's uh, not good. Uh, uh, and I posted a few clips in, you know, Giants fans or not even just Giants fans, any NFL team. When your team signs a player that you have not seen before, you're going to assume the best of him always. Yeah. So I tweeted out, you know, a couple of missed tackles. These guys like, oh, well, you're only picking out three plays. Like, well, I could pick out a lot more. <laughs> you, you, you guys can't understand that. <laughs> right. You guys We're not highlight highlight guys. It's like I, certain like, I, accounts are highlight guys. You say that, but certain accounts are definitely not highlight guys. So just stop saying that. <laughs> right. Like I, as much as much as I do tweet, I don't get paid to do it. So I'm gonna tweet yeah. what I want still. <laughs> All right. We can go into Sunday afternoon games. The Chargers are at Cincinnati. Cincinnati is a three and a half point favorite. I'm taking Cincinnati solely based off of the fact Tyrod Taylor is a three and a half point road favorite in week one in 2020. Talk, talk me out of this stance. That's very fair. Oh, I'm with you. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Enough. All right. Arizona at San Francisco. San Francisco is a seven to seven and a half point home favorite. I do like the Chargers a little bit this year, but I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. But yeah, anyways. <laughs> do we do we have any thoughts on Cardinals Niners? Uh, I'm interested to see how Kyler Hopkins works week one with nothing, but I think that the 49ers are still a much better pe- team on paper than the Cardinals. Like, I would take them at home minus seven easy. The only thing I'd be worried about, aren't, aren't all the Niners wide receivers hurt right now? Uh, yeah, they are. Yeah, but, but then they still have to stop the 49ers run game. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. And they also have to block the 49ers <laughs> defensive line, too. And they still have, have to have somebody to cover Kittle. I I do like Buda Baker, even though I, he got overpaid, but I do like him. He I, definitely I, I got overpaid. So. Yeah, I just think 49ers are just going to outclass him. Well, you uh, know, I'm probably going to stay away. It's a lot of points. I hate a lot of point games, but I think you know, It's funny, like, every, like, you get into these press conferences with the rookies, 
and there's like, oh, well, what's your, your welcome to the NFL moment, Ben? Well, Isaiah Simmons, here comes your welcome to the NFL moment with Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, his head uh, is just going to be spinning the whole first quarter. Steven, Steven's thing with the microscope. God, Godspeed, bro. Like, <laughs> you got no, – I don't, don't want to say you got no chance because you're an absolute alien, but uh, but good luck. I mean, honestly, I'm in on San Francisco, minus seven and a half. Uh, Arizona is a team that I don't even really want to discuss too much until we get more film on them because yep. I feel like the offense is going to change a lot once you put right. the yeah. into it because they obviously they didn't have a player like that last year so we'll just wait and see what Cliff does with that. That's a, year. that's a great point. Totally agree. I think they're a team that's going to ascend as the year goes on, but I think September might be a little weird. Right. The uh, last Saturday or Sunday afternoon game, Tampa at New Orleans. New Orleans is only a three and a half to four point home favorite. I'm offended by this. This is the one that I'm the most mad about. What are, so like if the Super Bowl favorite wasn't the so they're the biggest Super Bowl favorites in the NFC, right? They have to be the Saints um, outside of outside of the Ravens and the Chiefs. They have to be the Super Bowl favorites. And Tampa's just neck and neck with them within a point, a point or half a point. A, to a point like how much hype are we buying into like this whole brady gronk thing like do we not remember when we saw brady and gronk last do we think they just got better over a quarantine like what are are we talking about here i'm totally with you bro like brady gronk the last like you said the last time we saw them was you know the the last time we saw gronk was he had the, the game winning play in the super bowl basically versus the rams but that play was not indicative of what the entire year looked like for Ronk, and he, I don't want to say he looked like completely washed, but he didn't look like normal dominant Ronk. And he looked like he had lost two steps, man. Right, like, right. Legitimately two steps. And, and now he's skinny. Right, I'm gonna say now he looks like he's lost two Gronks. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's, he's, he doesn't look very big. Uh, and and the thing with the thing with the Gronk and Brady pairing is, to be honest with you. I don't know if you guys agree with this take or not, but I have more faith in Gronk playing like a top-tier tight end than I do in Brady playing like a top-tier quarterback this year. And that's mainly just because when you look at last year with the Patriots, I think everyone can agree that the supporting cast was terrible. I mean, Nikhil Harry was not great last year. Julian Elliman, I don't even know who the tight ends were. Like, when you look at the offense, like, the only true passing threats were a slot receiver and a receiver and a, and a receiving running back in James White. But independent of that, I still don't think Brady played that well. So when you look at Brady and Gronk this year, like the name value sounds good, but the overall talent assessment of where they are in 2020 might not actually be that strong. I think it's a very fair take. I think it's more than Brady and Gronk. It's going to be Brady and Godwin. Uh, I, I yeah. think Godwin's going to eat this year. I think it's just, mm-hmm. that's actually the best overlap of skill set, scheme, and Brady's skill set. Like I, I think that that's going to be a lot of fun this year. But I agree with you on Gronk. I think Gronk was eighty percent the last time we saw him. And I think he's eighty percent of that eighty percent right. now that we see him. You know, I, and I, I think it's just the All Star team hype. Saints is I think is generally we would all consider top three roster, top four roster, maybe better. Yeah, I, I'm I'm on the Saints. I'm on the Saints here. Yeah, this this line is awful. I think this is the uh, like Joe Buck, Troy Aikman national game too. So most of the country will be seeing this. Um, Sunday night, Dallas at the Rams. The Rams are three point home dogs. 
this seems not smart. Because if this were in Dallas, right, that would that would be in Dallas as a nine point favorite at home. That doesn't make sense to me. That's just way too many points. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I'm with you 100%. Even though I do think the Rams' offense is going to be interesting, interesting this year because, like, you're going to another evolution, right? And even though Todd Gurley wasn't Todd Gurley as we know him to be last year, it's still it's still different this year with Cam Akers and <laughs> whoever the hell <laughs> they got back out there. I don't really even remember. Daryl Henderson. They said, they Malcolm, said Brown. Malcolm Brown. Malcolm Brown, Brown might starting. be the starter. Yeah. Yeah. That's the former draft for the legend. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how much that that backfield rotates and then how much uh, Van Jefferson sees the field. Right. Because Cooper Cup and Robert Woods aren't speed guys, but Van Jefferson is. And you kind of need the speed guy to be able to keep the defense honest on all those boots and stuff. So there's still going to be a boot team. Van Jefferson's probably going to need to see the field. And that probably means they're only going to be able to play like one tight end or like last year they were able to get Higby and Everett on the field kind of at the same time. I think they're at the point now, you know, without Cooks or anything, like they're probably going to have to go back to 11 and then see, you know, how they want to play games with like Everett coming in as a pass catcher with Cooper Cup lining up tight or being more spread out team with Tyler Higbee just basically being an unbalanced offensive tackle. Yeah. And I I think that McVay is smart enough to be an extremely game plan specific guy. Like one Mm -hmm. week might be more 12 and then one week might be more 11. So I think I think he's actually smart enough to actually just do that and just go, hey guys, you each are, are, are that's what it is. Like that's what Shannon does all the time, and he's he has the balls to do it. Some guys are just like, no, I'm gonna just do this. I, oh no, that guy has to play. That's what we are. That's our identity, which can work some places. But I think McVeigh is smart enough to just go, well, this week, all right, uh, Everett Higby, you guys are in a whole bunch this week. Jefferson, you got ten plays. All right, that you know that's just what we're doing this week. So I, I think I think the Rams. I'm, I'm taking the Rams here. Uh, I think, like you said, this is the next chapter of what we're going to see with their offense. I think it's going to be fun. Uh, I just think they, I think they're refreshed. I think they got reset. The spotlight's off of them. They don't have to worry about some of the maybe have to feed Gurley, and maybe they can just find their next guy. So I, I don't know. I, I, Rams is one of my favorite teams to watch this year. I just think they're going to be super interesting. Yeah, I am uh, also in the Rams this game. So you move to Monday, and uh, Monday is a game. For the team that I know all too well, the Pittsburgh Steelers are traveling to MetLife Stadium on Monday Night Football uh, to take on the New York Giants. The Steelers are, from reading this right, the Steelers are at five and a half to six and a half, or five and a half point to six point road favorite on Monday night, uh, which seems like a lot to me. Especially because we haven't seen Big Ben play in, in two years now, pretty much. Yeah. That'll be interesting. I'm ready for uh, Juju Slander. That's what I'm here for. I'm here to call him the third best wide receiver on his team, things of that nature. And uh, watch, watch watch Saquon give up a sack so Nate can't subtweet me on a podcast again. Okay. Well, That's what do you great. think about, you know, the Giants being six-point home dogs? I think Daniel Jones is a bad quarterback, and that makes sense. <laughs> I'm not going to bet on this game, but, yeah, yeah I mean, he's, he's, an, he's an awful quarterback. Um, we know what the over under is on this one. <laughs> fifteen. It's fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> I'll look up the over under. Fifteen right over under. No, Probably but the thing is, forty-one like, and a half. That's my with, guess. With, yeah, with so Daniel NFL Jones, is usually forty-five. I don't know what to expect this year. Like forty-eight. It's too high. We're hitting high. the under. We found we found the bet Wait, for Monday. Forty-eight is over under. Forty-eight for points. Yeah, yes, it under. is. Wow. Under. 
under. Yeah, we found the under. Yeah. Uh, I'll take the under, and then I'll take the Giants plus six if I can find that. Uh, I don't know what to expect from Daniel Jones this year, because last year, he had... He, I liked him better than I thought I would. I liked him uh, better than I thought it would. It's it's twofold, because I like him better than I thought I would, but I also think his stat line should have been a lot worse than it was, because he should have thrown more interceptions than he actually did last <laughs> year. But he did offset that with the amount of fumbles that he had. And I think he only started 14, or no, not even 15 games. He started 12 games last year because the two elite games and two elite games at the end of the season. Uh, and he fumbled the ball, or he led the league of fumbles in you know, 12 games, which is big red flag. I know, like, Lamar is a recent quarterback. Lamar Jackson is a recent quarterback that fumbled regression. He fumbled the ball a billion times year, and obviously did not do that. Second year, but you look at the drop picks and the fumbles. Daniel Jones is like quietly a turnover machine, but at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Daniel Jones turned out to be like a Jimmy G caliber quarterback and someone that maybe isn't an MVP caliber, but if you put the right players and right coach around him, you can get like offensive. The pass to above average. Mm-hmm. Kind of exactly. thing, yeah. No, I, I see it too. I know, I know. Justice hates it, but no, nope. no, I, I see it too. I, I just see. <laughs> nope. I saw that. I don't have Ed Arnold. Or that I don't. <laughs> maybe Ed are just too, too optimistic. Right. Yeah. We just see these tiny blind, like tiny little things that we can hold on to. Mm-hmm. All right. Every, every time he throws an interception on that night, I'm, I'm adding you guys. Every single time Minka Fitzpatrick takes one to the house. <laughs> I love, but we love Minka though. That would right, be fine. Like with Minka too, so, <laughs> so go for it, go for it, dude. Uh, All right, the uh, second half of the Monday night, Tennessee at Denver. This is a pick 'em. This is the dumbest line of the week. I'm not really offended by this because we've been able to hammer this for years. But yep. they are 21 and two in week one or week two at uh, Mile High Stadium, and they're what is it? 51 nine and two all time in week one or week two at home. Denver in elevation is a hard place to play in. Like in 2018, they started out uh, 2-0 and because they opened the season home game, home game, back-to-back. And then they had a 4-10 four, four finish to end the year. Like playing in Denver early in the year is totally different than playing in any other situation in the NFL. Uh, to have this be a pick is just insane. Like I, I guess it's just like people are excited to take Derrick Henry in their fantasy drafts and they just saw Ryan Tannehill take the team to the AFC Championship game, but... Denver here is the pick for sure. This should yeah. be like Denver four and a half. I, yeah. Yeah. I'm with I'm you. Fucking copy you. Copy away. Good. Locktober. Locktober's coming. No, but I, I mean, just a, a, a broader generalization about the Titans for the whole season is how likely do you think that Brian Tannehill you know, recaptures that performance from last year. Almost zero? Negatives. You think he's going to lead the league in AYA again? And, no. And, like, and I think he'll lead the league in pass rating, too. Like, even the yeah, norm- no, that's not going to happen. That 100% is not going to happen. All right. He's had so much yak between Jonu Smith and A.J. Brown. It was just like, not only did he have the just air yards, just, they were just taking everything to the house. <laughs> So it's like, you know, that's got to regress a little bit. Yeah. And I, I know I love the, both of those players, but yeah. Right. I, I know the analytics freaks that are listening to this don't like pass the rating, but 
it's still funny that, you know, Ryan Tannehill had a season where he led the league in passer rating with 117.5, and then he uh, also led the league in yards per attempt with 9.6 yards per attempt. And second place for yards per attempt with Matthew Stafford with 8.6, a full yard less, and Matthew Stafford only plays eight games. So I think it's very safe to say that Ryan Tannehill is going to be coming back down to earth this year, and uh, <laughs> we'll see how soon that happens because if it's the first game, then I would definitely be in on Denver on a pick them. And just due to their stadium advantages, advantages early in the season, I'm going to be in on Denver. Okay. Agree. Right. I'm happy for this week, guys. We did, we did it. We did it. We, we beat the pandemic. We have right. football back. You guys want to uh, dive into a, a few questions before? Uh... Yeah. Sure. All why right. not? Okay. Uh, this is one is from at Reckham Ralph. His, uh, Display name is Fuck Kirk Cousins. Will I be sad when I watch the Packers this year? Yeah, either way. If you're on one side or the other, you'll probably be sad at different points of the year for either of those. So, mm-hmm. all right. Fire, uh, fire head coach Mike Pettin. I'm going to just take it. The next question <laughs> is uh, What's your Donald? This is for me. What's your Donald take after seeing him in camp? Uh, you know, it's kind of the same thing as last year where. A lot of it, to me at least, looks like individually good, but on a team level, terrible. And I think that's kind of where they are again, where you're going to see a lot of Darnold need to re- need to rely on like his uh, playmaking ability and ability to kind of make things happen after the snap when things break down over seeing a lot of structured plays. Because like we said early in the podcast, you're going to have uh, a rookie left tackle and three free agent additions on the offensive line and like maybe all three are questionable but I think at best or you know at least two of them are questionable and I recommend Ronan and George fans so we'll see how Darnold does I don't think the, the author stacked his favor, favor to have a good year but I do believe in his talent I just really don't believe in the situation around him at all I mean we look at offensive line coaching receivers running backs it's all negative so we'll see how it goes <laughs> see how uh, it goes. <laughs> I know, I know. I just, I just, just you know, just, just shit on everything, and uh, and then uh, <laughs> just boop. <laughs> right, that's all bow at the end. Uh, uh, the next question from our pal Steve Ruiz at the Steve Ruiz, just related. Have Nate and Justin fight about Sam? So, yeah. He sucks. He's not good, and Nate won't admit it, and it makes me mad. He led college football in turnovers. You say he's good at freelancing. He's bad at freelancing. I don't. I don't understand. <laughs> it's basically. I, I think actually what Chuck was just going saying was something I, I agree with. I think he's talented, but he's just in a shit situation. So we're never going to see that. I don't think we're going to see the true, which is such a nice cop out answer. Uh, <laughs> we'll never get to kind of really see what he is capable of. I want him just once to just be the like maybe we're just he doesn't have to be the guy right away. He's still super young. I mean, he. I, I looked at him and James's stats. Like he was. I mean, like he. It, he's just like he's on this. He's a super young player. Sorry, that wasn't James. That was Baker and James. They were the same player. But uh, I just think he still has room to grow. I really do. I just think he's in a shit situation. It might. He has to either get out of there or new people have to come in. It might be my mic that's buzzing. No, I hear it too. I think it's justice. Is there buzzing? All right. It just. There all right. Yeah. It literally just stopped now. When you moved your mic away from your face, 
right. That's great. Face, my face is – it's I, the zen. I, it's the tobacco in my mouth. I thought it was like the Oscars where they're like playing you off. Yeah, but we can, still, <laughs> we, can, we can still hear you perfectly without the buzzing now. So okay. Okay. Keep, keep your mic close. No. <laughs> no, but I, I do like Dar- I do like Darnold. I just I get the turnover stuff sucks. Maybe I grew up around Cole Pepper, so I'm just used to the fumble stuff. So yeah, I don't know. I, I I'm a fan. I just think he's been dealt a lot of bad hands so far, but I still think he just has a path that he can get there because he's just so young. I just hope right. that it's just not to the point where he gets injured beyond belief. All right, Nate. I hate to do this to you, but you brought this up yourself. You said okay. that you grew, you grew up around Cole Pepper. You're gonna have to explain to people what that means. Oh, okay. So I uh, I grew up a Vikings fan for about, what, nine years, ten years? So for some reason, because my dad worked for him in some capacity for ten years. That's that's why. I was a big Vikings fan until about 2005. Your dad worked for them, or is your dad, like, one of the most famous offensive line coaches in NFL history? Yeah, he, he, he coached the line. <laughs> He's a head coach. <laughs> and he played for the Vikings for a little bit too. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's, there's some Vikings connections. If you're a Bears fan, listen to this. Nate's dad is Mike Tice, so I'm sure if you're a Bears <laughs> fan, you know, you know who that is. Legendary off the fly coach. Uh, let us move through. Let's do two more questions before we get out of here. Uh, this is from Tim at T K3, and this is actually a question that I am curious for you guys too. I'd like to hear your thoughts on Antonio Gibson, the Washington player that is playing running back that was wide receiver last year for Memphis. I, Justice probably wa- I was probably watching more than I have. You watched all that Memphis film. Yeah, I watched him in Memphis. My my takes aren't really evolved more than like a couple years. It was probably like two years ago when they had all three of those guys at the mm-hmm. same time at Memphis, and Derek and I just talked about them constantly because it was just like. How fun is this team? They have three dudes who can just, like, rip it 90 yards like it's nothing, and they're playing an AAC schedule. Um, but I don't really have, like, a super evolved take. Is he going to be their starting running back? Uh, I know the cuts, right? They cut Adrian well, Peterson. Well, they, they obviously cut Adrian Peterson, Darius Guys, and that leaves, what, Chris Thompson, Bryce Love, and Antonio Gibson. So Is Love healthy? Uh, I think so. <laughs> If you call okay. that route healthy that we watched the other day. <laughs> uh, but Gibson, the thing is, like, I think I don't think he's tied a season where he had more than 33 carries. So, like, this is going to be an experience for him. No, he, he definitely was, like, the most hybrid out of any of those Memphis backs where right. he was, like, borderline wide receiver. Where the who other were the guys, other ones? Like, Dar- Darrell Henderson and who else? And was Patrick Taylor or something? Was it, was it the Cowboys back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, Pollard. Pollard, right? Oh, Tony, Tony Pollard and Daryl Harris. And he was a hybrid guy too. Yeah. And then. Yeah. No, that that uh, Memphis team was so fun. They just had guys just rip oh, yeah. off ninety yarders like it was nothing. I just remember they had a game against Tulane because it was it was a Thursday night game or a midweek game, and I just remember watching it and just being so fun. It was like just such an exciting game, especially Tulane's new stadium just has great side angles where it feels like you're on the field. So all of a sudden you just be watching this, and all of a sudden just be poop, and a guy pops out. Because it's just, it was just another guy taking it to the house, like you said, 90 yards. All right. Actually, I lied. We got two more questions. All right. So the first one from Reggie Dawson would love to hear thoughts on perceived disparities between elite zone corner and elite man corners. And Nate, since you you have experience working in the NFL, I think that that would be a good question for you. So what was the question? Oh, I'm trying to find. Uh, oh, okay. We'd love to hear thoughts on perceived disparities between elite zone. Oh, I mean. 
So, like, man corners, of course, are what you're ideally trying to get. You know, I mean, that's that's the X receiver of the position. You know, that's, like, the premium position. But, like, zone corners are usually a little more heady, uh, a little more uh, – have a little more awareness, and that's why they transition to safety better uh, is, you know, is that they can do that. Charles Woodson being an exception. But uh, I think it's just one of those things where a man corner is – like it's just – think of basketball is a good way to compare it, is uh, a man corner – is just like in a basketball, it's a man defender, which might be different than a guy playing in a, a team defense, like in a zone defense. Like right, I'm saying now in the NBA where they have all the match stuff and they're just doing playing match defense anyways. I don't know. That's it's it's just a skill set difference. It's just body type and mindset. Some guys just have an IQ for it, and some guys just don't. Uh, and there's an IQ for being a man corner. There's an IQ for being a zone corner. That's also like the theory why maybe Revis couldn't transition to safety is he's just a lockdown man dude. Maybe you just didn't have that peripheral that maybe a zone guy has. It's just just a different skill set that guys are good at. Yeah, all right. Uh, Justice, your mic is buzzing like shit again. I haven't moved it at all. Yes, it has, crazy. because now it just stopped when you moved it. All right, <laughs> pointed away from me. It's like a cat all right, coming uh, off the top of my head. Here's the last question from uh, Seth Heater. I hope I pronounced that right. What do you foresee to be the effects and follow of Mahomes signing his contract now with other QBs like Watson signing for it last when usually it just cle- it usually keeps climbing forever until they turn it to Patrick Mahomes they don't have to worry about that. Agreed. Yeah, that's my answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there's not too many ten year contract guys. So unless Lamar does something crazy in the next couple of years, I don't I don't foresee yeah. that being a problem for anyone. Yep. Yeah. When they went. When the Super Bowl and MVP in your first two years starting, then uh, <laughs> then you can talk about contracts. I, I don't, I don't like that. think people realize how unique Mahomes is. Like, I don't even think it's crazy at this point to say, like, if he's not the best I've already seen, he probably will be at some point yep. in his career. And it's just insane to say that about a guy who's like 24. It's not flashes. It's every play. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. 60 right. plays a game of genius. And, and talent it's yeah and we're coming out of like the golden age of quarterbacks too where like we haven't really produced star quarterbacks in like 10 years between like matt ryan and like the mahomes draft class other than like russell wilson right so like not only are we is he doing it this well against these guys who are about to be hall of famers he's doing it this well against guys who are hall of famers while the nfl isn't producing quarterbacks at a high level yeah it's it's crazy. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's all we got for episode 94 of Sitting the Edge. Nate, we did a horrific job introducing you. So if you just want to tell the people like where you're at <laughs> and like, everything that you're about, go ahead. Tell them, Bill. My uh, name is Nate Tice, or more commonly known as son of former head coach of the Minnesota Vikings, Mike Tice, as, <laughs> as you guys like to introduce me as. But uh, it's uh, you find me at Twitter, Nate underscore Tice. And I just usually just tweet either old 90s and 80s football clips or just super detailed words, 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 tweets about a random NFL play from 20, uh, the 20th century, 21st century. Uh, and you got yeah, a podcast. This is awesome. You got a podcast. Oh, and now I'm on a podcast. Oh, I, I should probably pimp that up. Yeah, the yeah exactly. Show with Robert Mays. Yep, you'll usually check me at the Sunday night, Monday morning show. Uh, uh, my next episode will be after the week one games. You'll, you'll check that. So probably after I'm watching it, doing what we're doing right now, bullshit about them, I'll go talk about it on the podcast with Robert. 
So check it out. Subscribe. All right, cool. <laughs> uh, Thanks. Yeah, I don't I don't really have anything that I'm working on. Justice, how about you? I'm super unemployed. Super right, yeah. unemployed. So. I'm just, uh, you know, if you like the Jets and uh, regular NFL news, definitely follow me at Fort Verts. Nate's is on Twitter at Nate underscore twice. Tice. Justice is on Twitter at Jumos, not the racist version, the J-U-M-O-S-Q version. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back at some point, maybe next week, maybe next year. See you later. <laughs>